Hour three, I'm still here. It's Arlene Bonnet in for Alex Pearson tonight. And I really wanted to talk about this. It was part of the news today that we found out that uh, gang and gun violence, we know that the federal liberals were studying it. We know it was a focus. Uh, talked about it here in this chair after the Danforth shooting. It's happened before in the city of Toronto as we look at gang violence. It's happened decades ago, to be, to be very honest with you. What do you do about gangs? What do you do about guns? And we start talking about banning certain things. Well, the liberals have, uh, they want to do something. They're spending $86 million to tackle this rise in gang and gun violence. And they've announced this. And they're one of the areas they're going to look at is border security. Again, it's gone on for a, a lot of years. Where do the guns come from? It's always uh, through the border. But w- there is another side to this story. We know that there are those who say... This isn't going to change anything. This is something that is part of the fabric and the borders and the city of Toronto. And it is not something you can just throw money at. We're going to get some expert analysis here. David Perry is with a CEO of Investigative Solutions Network, Inc. And for 28 years, he was with the Toronto Police Service. Welcome, David Perry. Thank you for joining us tonight. Happy to join you again. All right. It, it, you know, it's a lot of money, $86 million, and the sentence looks good and it sounds good. It says it's going to tackle the rise in gang and gun violence. We know politicians, we can debate what works, what doesn't work. They they like to be seen on paper as doing something. David, is this worthwhile in your opinion? It, I think it's a it's a good first step in the right direction, um, stemming the flow of illegal firearms coming into Canada, and as we know, the majority coming from the United States is a, a really good place to start. And I'm not being critical of these efforts, but I do have some concerns, and especially coming from a, a municipal law enforcement background and understanding how little, if any, of federal money ever makes it makes it into a big city like the city of Toronto, and. Uh, you know, again, good first step, but I'd like to hear and see more about what they're going to do to help local law enforcement in, in the GTA, not just Toronto, but in the GTA where there's so much gun and gang activity to see what they're going to do to financially support efforts here. I see what you're saying because, you know, it always sounds good, $86 million, and then when we do the double down on it, it's going here, it's going there, and sometimes we get very frustrated because it goes to process. You know, we understand here $34.3 million of this is going to go to the RCMP, and that's supposed to help investigations, training, inspection, technology, intelligence. That's all stuff that I don't know that if you can have any criteria to judge it. David, is is there a lot of wiggle room here? Again, I'll return to this, $86 million, but there's a lot of wiggle room. It may not get to the areas that are going to make a difference. Can you tell us what you think those areas are? Well, I, I think that you've sort of hit it right on the head that, you know, once it gets watered down and, and gets through all of the red tape and into training programs and all kinds of other resources that they've commented about today, what, what's left that really... Um, hits the rubber where the road meets and what what is really going to be seen in terms of effective law enforcement. So um, always worried about that uh, federally when, when money is dispersed. It's, it's a big purse and it's a big account and sometimes we wonder where that money goes. And I can tell you I worked on many large projects uh, in the city of Toronto and uh, sometimes we don't get to see that money at all. And 
clearly Toronto is in Canada the hub for gun and gang activity. And I, I would just like to see some commitment of these federal funds saying that X amount of dollars are going to go straight into the Toronto Police Service, the Durham Regional Police, the Peel Regional Police in York and so on to uh, help officers get all the tools and resources they need. And to, what to helps though? What helps, David? You know, I remember years and years ago going out and kind of on the ground with police forces in some of the gang areas, and the you really see how tough it is out there. Is it about relationship? Is it about boots on the ground? Well, it's about both. I mean, it's a very complex problem, as we all know, and there's a huge uh, socioeconomical component to mm-hmm. the gun and gang activity that needs to be addressed. But uh, from a law enforcement perspective, it's it's about two things. It's about getting into our communities and building trust and relationships. And that's something that the police are always working towards. And, you know, through no fault of theirs, sometimes are, are not completely successful in that endeavor. But the part we can never forget when it comes to violent crime is that there has to be a, a very strategic and well-planned enforcement component. Officers need to go into these communities and what I've seen as a big part of the change is that the communities are actually actually asking the police and begging for the police to come back to get into their communities to help them to feel safe and uh, to make sure that, you know, no matter what the conditions are, that they can raise their children and have them go out and play and go to school safely. And, uh, you know, we're sort of hitting that point in, in our lives. I think we're all of us wondering if uh, if we've lost that that ability. But is it is it about guarding the community there? You say the community wants wants people to go in it, but we're all looking and saying, what the heck is going on? And what is making people pick up a gun and use it? Does it work? Does it work for them and what they need to do? Well, you know what? I was just I just happened to be at an award ceremony tonight for mm-hmm. an organization called Cops and Kids, Proaction mm-hmm. Cops and Kids and and heard story after story of police officers being involved in communities with disadvantaged youth and trying to make sure that, you know, they're the first impact in these children's lives rather than the gang members and trying to, to offer them choices and show them another way to, you know, to get their lives on track and to continue to, to keep their lives on track. So that that's a huge part. The police are a big part of that, but there are other parts of our social system that have to step up and get involved as well. Um, you know, why are they picking up guns? Well, you know, that's all they see. In a lot of these communities, they see young men typically who are flashing money and they're driving cars. They have no jobs. They're not in school and they're running the neighborhood, so to speak. So they become sort of the uh, the mentors, if you will, in some of these communities. And, and we've got to have people that can uh, go in and resist that and then to show these young people that there is a, a chance for them to live a different kind of a life. And, uh, you know, number one, of course, is I, I keep saying this and I mm-hmm. say it over and over, enforcement is a big part of it. The police have to have the ability to stop uh, gang members to uh, to make so sure they have to be able to. Yeah. So what you're saying is in there has been a lot of uh, crying out from the police community that they've been stymied a bit. Do they oh, need absolutely. more power, David? Listen, I'm, I, more power is not necessarily the answer. More support is, and and what you know, I, what I'm does a, what is support though? What is well, it? Well, you know what, it's not making knee-jerk decisions about things like carding, mm-hmm. and I know that we can probably never go back to where we were with carding. But I, I'm just going to tell you, most people have no idea and no true understanding of what carding was all about, what street investigations are all about, and how fundamentally 
in Canadian law enforcement and law enforcement around the world that stopping people on the street at certain times of night and checking on people to make sure that they're there for the appropriate reason and gathering intelligence from those people is the backbone of police work. It it's, uh, drives the big engine of police work. Uh, so when a crime happens, we've got an idea who's in the neighbourhood and who shouldn't be in the neighbourhood. And more often than not, we're coming up with intelligence that can help us solve these, these very difficult crimes. And it got a bad rap. Maybe it needs a, a new branding. You know, the federal liberals are now not yeah. calling it a carbon tax. They're calling it a price on pollution. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the same thing has to happen with carding. Brilliant. I think you've come up with exactly what the strategy should be. Let's remarket this thing. Let's get the, the police supported and back into doing what they're supposed to do fundamentally. And, they, you know, it's it's within the Police Services Act. Police officers are sworn to protect our communities and to prevent crime. And the way they do that is everything we just talked about. So uh, getting some of that back on track would be really important. And I talk to police officers every day and they're they're more frustrated in the community because they can't do what it is they know the community wants them to do. Do the criminals feel emboldened? We've heard that. Do you oh, think they are? Are they ever? You know, I could tell you from experience uh, when I was doing homicide investigations and running wiretaps, we would hear on the wires, you know, gangsters talking back and forth and saying, whatever you do, don't carry a gun in Toronto and don't commit a murder in Toronto because they'll actually come and get you. And now it's the opposite. They're talking about, don't worry about carrying a gun. Even if the police stop you and arrest you and seize your gun, it'll be tossed out in court. So, yeah, they're emboldened and they're fearless and they're walking around with impunity. And I've said that a million times publicly, and it's not right. The people that should walk around with impunity are the good people in these in these communities and, and the people that the police are there to serve. And uh, we've got it backwards right now. Banning guns, is that going to help? Handguns? I don't think banning guns will help one bit. Um, increasing and, and making mandatory sentences for people who commit crimes with firearms mm-hmm. will. Um, but as you know, I mean, I watch gun project after gun project where there are dozens of people arrested, mm-hmm. dozens of firearms, cash, drugs, the usual <laughs> usual things that are seized. And all of those same people mostly are back out on the street unless they're on some kind of a previous bail. So that revolving door has to stop. I think people that are caught carrying a gun, they're only carrying a gun for one reason. You know, they're intending to use it on they a human use being. It. And if they're going to, if they have that intent, mm-hmm. why aren't we keeping them in jail until their trial? And once they're, they're convicted, if they are convicted, they should be mandatory sentences. And they should be put away for a, a long enough time that, uh, you know, society feels safe that at least they've, they've gotten some kind of a treatment. And they're certainly not going to be able to do it to anybody else. David Perry, thank you for joining us this evening. Have a great night, David. Thanks for you your time. You well. Anytime. David Perry, CEO, Investigative Solutions Network, Inc., and for 28 years, he was with the Toronto Police Service, so he knows of what he speaks. I'm Arlene Bonnet, and for Alex Pearson, this is Global News Radio.